So this is another edition of Watford Matters with Dean Russell. I'm the Member of Parliament for Watford and in my regular podcasts throughout the Covid crisis but also longer term I've been looking at community work within Watford uh, and the surrounding areas, speaking to leaders from people like Hertfordshire County Council through to uh, Watford Borough Council but also to those who affect our lives on a regular basis and perhaps for many in Watford, especially as we're such a commuter town. The trains are, are a big topic and import, very important to us. So um, I'm really pleased today to have Francis Thomas with me, who works at London Northwestern Trains, but West Midlands Trains really, which is the, the owner of the franchise. So I just want to chat to him about what's happening in the coming weeks and months around the rail timetable and more. So Francis, thanks for joining me on the uh, podcast. Absolute pleasure, Dean. Uh, thank you. And and I suppose the big question on everyone's lips is what, what's coming next? It'd be great to get a sense from you of what's coming down the line, you know, as we start to ease lockdown and, and what the uh, franchise has been doing, really, especially during the crisis to help. Probably the first thing I should say is a big thank you to all the commuters who've stayed away, because obviously social distancing is the number one issue for public transport. The very definition of public transport is it's mass transit. That makes it the antithesis of social distancing. So we've had to learn how to operate a train service for key workers and essential journeys only and keep that space available, whilst at the same time saying to everybody else, really, please don't come on the train because we need that space. We need that social distancing. We also had a big challenge at the start of the pandemic with something like one in four of our colleagues affected by COVID-19 in some form or another. Thankfully, that has reduced to around one in 40 now, so we're in a much better place. But certainly in April, we had no choice but to reduce the timetable to reflect the fact that there were fewer rail workers available, but also we were in lockdown, fewer people would be traveling. And we saw about a 95% drop in people traveling with us. Now, as you said, we're moving into a slightly better position as a nation, but that social distancing still remains a big challenge on the railway. So what we're saying now is, We did step up our timetable two weeks ago. More will be done in July to put even more capacity into the railways, as more people will have to travel by rail. We recognise that. But the challenge remains. Number one, social distancing. Is your journey really necessary? Use some other form of transport if you have the option. Number two, if you are going to travel with us, travel responsibly and please wear a face covering. Absolutely. No, and thank you for for sharing that. I mean, I think the... um, the challenge for everyone really is is the um, you know how do we respond in this this period of, sort of as we ease out of lockdown and I think the clearer those that guidance is especially for public transport is is so key and I I will gladly share that information on my website as well to make sure everyone can see that in in terms of you know I, I the elephant in the room I suppose is pre lockdown um, I know we we chatted many times mm. about the issues that commuters uh, had had and I remember the one day being in Parliament, knowing that you and uh, several of your uh, senior colleagues were there. And I remember walking in the room and, and sort of doorstepping you to say what the hell's going on and, and showing you some tweets from um, from residents who were, were commuting it and uh, understandably complaining about issues. Uh, I, I remember also, um, rather frustratingly, just days before lockdown, that I'd given you a call and you'd been able to get 12 carriage trains put on where there were four ones. But I'd just be keen to get your thoughts on what the issues were then, you know, and why that would be different moving forward. Of course, COVID's going to change things quite dramatically but I'd love to get your your view because we we had quite shall we say robust conversations didn't we? (laughs) 
And, and hands up, the timetable we introduced in May 2019 was ambitious, but it didn't work. Yeah. And so we admitted that and we said we need to put that right. And we'd started to put things right from December. And we were starting to see improvements and we had big plans to make further improvements in May of this year. But of course, the rug was pulled from underneath us with COVID-19. So first of all, apologies to anybody who had to be inconvenienced by the timetable we put in. I think we've learned a lot from that timetable and the language we're using now is we want to have a timetable in future that focuses on capacity and reliability. I think there is often a trade-off to say, well, if we have lots of train services, we'll, we'll move lots of people. But if you haven't got the resilience built in, then somewhere along the line, it's going to go wrong. And quite frankly, in the second half of last year, it did. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was frustrating because we could see a way forward, we could see a way out, we were starting to make the changes, we were starting to make the improvements, rightly say we brought in more carriages, and then COVID-19 presented a whole new set of challenges. But we are planning for the future. We're continuing to invest, despite the lockdown, in building new trains for London Northwestern Railway users. We will have more capacity at the end of this crisis because we are getting those trains built by Bombardier in the UK for people to travel on. So we haven't allowed the crisis to get in the way of our investment plans. Excellent. That's really, really good to know. And I, th I think, you know, one of the things I can say uh, in the conversations we, we had before, actually, you were very open and, and honest about the challenges and also how apologetic you were to, to commuters, which, uh, you know, I, I passed on wherever I could. Uh, but of course, you know, when somebody's stuck on a train and can't get home, they get you know, understandably frustrated. I know one of the things that came up before uh, was around communications as well. And uh, that was something I, I spoke to uh, you and your colleagues about quite regularly around, you know, how do we make sure that communications is better? Can you share some of the learnings from that and what will be put into place, especially over the coming weeks and months? Because I know carriages getting full is going to be a challenge in particular. Absolutely. I think we learned a lot through the adversity that we created last year. And it was very pleasing to see uh, Railway Gazette International only this week saying that we're now leading the field in terms of how we're communicating with our customers and to the industry about the challenges we're facing with COVID-19. What we are working on, uh, which we want to get ready for the increased services in July, hopefully we'll have it ready before then, is a red, amber, green warning system for passengers. So we can talk to passengers in very simple terms about what's happening with social distancing on our trains and at our stations. So green would be, and there is, this is still work in progress, but green would be social distancing is working, trains are running as normal, everything's fine. And that's pretty much the state we're in today. Amber would be some trains are not uh, suitable for social distancing due to numbers traveling. And you may be therefore having to queue at stations for up to half an hour in order to get onto a train. Red is where you don't want to go. That's when you're closing stations or having people queue for an hour or more and having to express trains because they're simply too full. So the best defense we can have against all of that is to provide that information, let people know what the different phases could be and still say, but actually, if you can avoid traveling by train, if you've got some other form of transport, use that until we're past this COVID-19 crisis.
Absolutely. No, thank you. No, I, I, that sounds like a great idea. I think one of the frustrations I think most people feel is when they don't have, aren't given the choice of, you know, if, you, if you're at home and you could work from home, especially now, which I think more people are used to that, you know, I think patterns of, of, of work and behaviour will probably change anyway. Uh, but that, that's really good advice. And I hope that does get rolled out. In, in terms of the crisis itself, though, I know, you know, I've mentioned on these podcasts before about the, the brilliant work the NHS are doing. I know Watford Football Club are doing amazing work locally, as are Camelot and so many, actually, so many groups, Warner Brothers as well. You're a large organisation. I'd just be interested to get your sense of how this has affected you, but what things have you done during the COVID crisis to support workers and so on um, to, to get to work, especially those who are key workers? Well, you mentioned Watford Football Club, and I must give them credit because they've been doing a great job passing on our messages to their fan base so that who are also train users so yeah. they're keeping keeping informed and, and we're working with a lot of partners local authorities bids visitor attractions to get the message out through their channels to their customers because they're also rail users specifically we've we've seen our role during the crisis as keeping the trains moving to move as many essential workers as possible and we've even gone the extra mile in terms of reaching out to NHS trusts and saying to them, as we've had to change timetables, can you let us know when your key changes of shift happen? Because we don't want to be in a situation where maybe we've just nudged the train two or three minutes the wrong way and it makes it difficult for people to make starts and finishes of shifts. But we have also offered the NHS two of our trains to help with their logistics to move supplies around. Now, thankfully, the NHS has responded so well, they didn't actually need those trains, but the offer was made. And we also supported the NHS with the opening of the Nightingale Hospital at the NEC in Birmingham by making sure we had a timetable that fitted around the changes of shift at the Nightingale, should it ever have been turned on to a fully functioning hospital. That's fabulous. Uh, and thank you for, for doing that. I think the, uh, the way everyone's come together, business communities, people, everyone actually has been really incredible to, to deliver on this. And, um, and that's great to know that you've been listening. I think that's, that's the main thing actually throughout the theme of, of all of our conversations is, is uh, making sure that we're all listening to what people are saying and their concerns. So that's fabulous. And in, in terms of for you as a you know, leader in a, a big organisation, I've asked this to a few of the other uh, people who are in large organizations H how have you dealt with the past few weeks you know it's it's not been an easy time and I know there's been a lot of change over a short period I'd be interested to get your point of view from a, a leadership position really well my hat goes off to all those fabulous frontline colleagues who've gone out every day to keep the trains moving whether that's the cleaners whether it's the maintenance staff or the stuff that customers more regularly see such as train crew and and, and platform staff and booking office staff but they've all done their bit to keep those essential workers moving. Personally, I started my railway career in 1983 at Watford, and I can't ever remember being so busy in my entire career. But it's been that sense of community that everybody has had the same direction to move in, and the cooperation that we've received, not just amongst fellow railway workers, but also with stakeholders, customers, business partners, everybody seems to have got this and they've really pulled together and that, that, that has got you through the, the rough bits. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the bit, isn't it? When you know you're, you're 
working closely with others who are doing the same you know i think um we're all working very long hours throughout this that the i think any myths that people used to have that working from home meant you put your feet up and watch daytime tv have gone as we've all been forced to work from home and um, realize we probably do more hours than, than we uh, than we do when we, we're traveling into places and, and that was absolutely anyway. and i think this this working from home experiment should we call it that that we've had for the last eight nine weeks is going to be with us for a long time now i think it's a game changer yeah. And it's going to fall on us as train companies and transport operators to look at new and innovative products to make sure that we have the right sort of tickets for the commuter of the future. So we've already, we actually, in the last month, we cut out a trial phase that we would have run and moved straight to having a contactless ticket that people can apply for online now and buy their tickets. So they're not having to go into the booking office. They're not having to juggle with physical pieces of paper all the time. The other thing that we're doing is, and that this is probably a, a, you know, a couple of months away, but looking at more sort of flexible carnet type tickets where people can buy maybe three days, use three days travel out, out of a bank of 10 one week and then two days travel the next and so on. Because the nine to five, five day a week commute for a lot of people has probably now finished. Mm, yeah, and I think that's the the, point really is how do we adjust moving forward and I think that's going to take you know the whole of society to look at what we did and you know I think there's an angle of this as well which isn't talked about quite so much but about the environment you know I've I've long uh, felt that you know air quality in particular is it's a key thing Mm -hmm. of course trains are probably one of the best ways to uh, previously before uh, social distancing was such an issue uh, understandably actually trains were better than cars um, and getting that balance right now and perhaps the the, the shift now is isn't not to travel at all uh, unless you really need to and, and that's going to make a big difference especially to you know you see these cities around the world where suddenly they can see long distances uh, where they couldn't before because of really low level amounts of smog you know and I think that's going to be so key. Yes and I think the way we use public transport and all forms of transport will change because people have got have rediscovered their local communities and just what they can access within 15 minutes of their homes so that will change we're all walking more there's more cycling going on so that will have an impact not just on how people use trains but how they use railway stations as well and how they access railway stations so there's a lot of work to be done as we adjust to to that much overused phrase the new normal yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, um, I have to say, uh, Francis, thanks so much for coming on this. Uh, I appreciate that uh, we've had some tough, <laughs> tough conversations uh, previously, but I think it's so important for people across Watford and more broadly who use the, uh, use the train franchise to know that you're listening and also that you've got clear plans, which definitely seem to be the case. So I uh, look forward to continuing the conversations and seeing those move through. I'll definitely be updating those on my website. So any final words from you, Francis, before we finish off the podcast? I'll just say three things. Stay away from the railway unless you really have to travel. If you are going to travel with us, please wear a face covering and stay safe. Fantastic. I couldn't say better words. Thank you so much. Um, And that was the end of this episode of Watford Matters with Dean Russell. I'm the Member of Parliament for Watford. And in these podcasts, we're trying to cover a wide variety of 
of great work that's happening across the area, but also keep you informed uh, from leaders and, and activities. If you'd like to join me on one of these podcasts, please do get in touch uh, if you work in the local community, or if you'd like to have me interview someone, please get in touch and let me know who. But for now, I'd like to say goodbye. Um, you've got the ability to listen to the other podcasts on Spotify and Apple and on all the other main podcast channels. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to doing my next interview in the next few days. Thank you.